0: All right, we're in lesson nineteen today, Paul's many trials. And again, I want to remind you, just the help you to understand what's going on here and what Paul is discussing. He is hitting right on hitting, heading right into the whole issue of his credibility. He is trying to show them that they've been listening to liars, deceivers. who are trying to discredit him. And so he's heading right, hitting it right on. He's, you know, just, just putting the hammer down saying, guys, this is what's going on here. And he wants to assure them of his credibility and so forth. So today, we're going to look at the fact that Paul's going to discuss as his credentials, not all of his accomplishments. Although he could talk about his accomplishments. He's going to show for his credentials, the stuff he went through in order for the gospel to be spread. He's going to share with them the stuff that he's gone through in order for the gospel to be spread. So let's look first of all at verse sixteen through twenty one of chapter eleven of Second Corinthians. Notice here what the apostle says. I say again let no one think me a fool if otherwise at least receive me as a fool that I also may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were, foolishly in the confidence of boasting. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. If one devours you, you take it from him. If one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever, but in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. So let's look at a few things here. Paul's going to first describe himself as a fool. So he's going to, you say a fool? He's going to describe himself as a fool here as he deals with the issue of his credibility with them. So let's look at what he says here. A couple things. Number one, Paul tells them not to consider him a fool. That was probably the accusation that was being made is that Paul is a fool. Because remember, they said that he didn't speak well. They said that his demeanor, how he presented himself was rather weak and you probably probably insignificant. He wasn't a charismatic type of person a charismatic type of leader. How many of you have ever had a pastor that had a charismatic personality? And it's it really, it's the personality that carries them, isn't it? It's the personality that kind of is what draws people to him. And Paul wasn't that kind of guy. Paul was the kind of insignificant little guy. He was an insignificant Jewish guy that really... From the outside, you wouldn't be impressed with him until you started talking with him and then you realize the knowledge that he has. The understanding that he has. So, Paul tells them not to consider him a fool. Now, he says, don't consider me a fool, but notice what he says next. If he must, he will boast like a fool. He says, look, if you guys are going to push the issue of my integrity, of my credibility, then I will boast like a fool then. Because to him, boasting is foolish. To him to tout his credentials, as these other guys were doing, is just pure foolishness. And so he says, okay, if I must, I will boast like a fool, he says. And so then verse 17, then he talks about his manner of speaking. So he makes it clear, he says he makes it clear that his boasting is not engaged with Christ's authority. So when he speaks here, He's saying, what I'm about to say is, I'm not telling you in the authority of Christ. But you're pushing me to this point where I have to explain myself. I have to uh, really present myself to you again, even though I'm the one who started you as a church. I'm the one who brought you salvation. He said, so what I'm doing, because again, remember now, why is he saying this? Because he sees boasting as what? Foolishness. He says, I'm not doing this with the authority of Christ. So then why does he do it? So why is he doing this boasting? Verse 18 tells us he's boasting. Paul is boasting because they're listening to the boasting of false teachers. Paul is boasting because they are listening to the boasting of false teachers. The reason why he's engaging in this now is because with these false teachers... They were boasting. Now here, here's how it happens. Usually guys will establish credibility with congregations or whatever, and it happens even to this day, by talking about how long they have what? Pastor. I remember years ago there was a well-known independent Baptist speaker who was questioned in his congregation, had a question and answer period, and a lady asked a question. Which, first of all, a lady to ask a question in an independent Baptist church, that just doesn't happen. Well, this lady asked a question of this very well-known national figure. This guy's now dead. And so he gave his answer. Well, she was pretty smart, and she saw through his answer. And she says, well, okay, Dr. So-and-so, I understand you said that, but that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't it seem like it's saying this? Well, he caught her, she caught him totally off guard. Totally off guard. So, here's what he then said to answer her. He no longer addressed the issue that was being addressed. He then said, well, I have been pastoring for 20 some years. And I have a doctorate. And he was basically intimidating her with his boasting to get her to do what? Yep, yeah, to be quiet. That's exactly right. And Paul says, look, you guys are just like, you guys are listening to the boasting of these teachers who are tooting their horn, who are coming and saying, well, we have sat at the feet of the apostles in Jerusalem. I've had lunch with James, the brother of Jesus, type of thing. And, you know, and all of this stuff, To intimidate them. And they were being intimidated. They listened to the boasting of these false teachers. And so Paul says, look, okay, you're you're listening to these guys attack my credibility, attack my integrity, attack who I am. You're forcing me to do what I don't want to do. I'm going to have to boast now like a foolish man. Now, why do I have to do this? Because you're listening to the boasting of these false teachers. You're listening to the boasting of these false teachers. So... Let me just make a quick point before we move on. My little illustration there about that guy responding to that lady in the church. What's the problem with that illustration? He was hiding behind his credentials. He wasn't giving her an answer. He was snowballing her. There's another problem there. What's the problem? You see, this is the problem sometime in our circle of churches. Okay, Kent said he's probably not being truthful. That's possible. What else? His ego. Okay. Anybody else? Presenting himself instead of Christ. Okay, that's good. Anybody else? You're not allowed to ask questions. And what's the presumption there and why we're not allowed to ask questions? Oh, you hit it right on the head, Rod. Okay. The problem with what this guy was doing is that he was reinforcing, and this is what they were doing in Corinth. He was reinforcing a concept that is not biblical. And the concept that's not biblical is, is that there are two classes of Christians. Everybody understand? Some of you have been, I, I almost don't want to use the word, the victim of this. Maybe you have been. Where there is the pastor, and then there's who? Everybody else. And the pastor only answers to who? Who is above the pastor? God. Then there's who? Everybody else. Now, who does everybody else answer to? The pastor. And you've seen silly stuff where where the pastor is telling you, I mean, he gets involved in stuff in your life that he shouldn't even be getting involved in. How many of you have seen that kind of thing before? All right. Now, here's my my point. Why, Why is that a wrong biblical concept? Pastors are human, but there's a greater biblical principle which we as Baptists believe in. Okay, which is part of what concept? The... Yes, the priesthood of what? Believers, which is what Mike said, which is what Marilyn was saying over there. We are all what? Well, yeah, priests before God. We're all... See, there's no special... It's almost like a Catholicism. (coughs) Can I be honest with you? It's almost like medieval Roman Catholicism where the only person between you and God is the priest. And so what we've done in our independent churches now is we've made the only person between me and God is who? The pastor. Now, let me just stop for a moment. There is a role for the pastor. The pastor has a role in the church. That's why God gave the church pastors. But he didn't give the church pastors for the pastor to be a despot, to be a dictator, to be your mediator. Because if you've got a problem, can you talk to Jesus about it? Can I ask you a question? When you read your Bible, can the Holy Spirit give you understanding? Or do you have to come and ask me for an interpretation? Yeah, the Spirit gives you understanding. Why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells you. So, here's what's, see, this is what's going on here in Corinth, is that they were listening to these guys and they were doing their boasting thing and snowballing them. And so, in order to snowball it, because you can almost see why they're discrediting Paul, because when they come in and they do their thing, someone could say, well, you know, we had Paul here and he didn't act that way. Well, Paul, and then you can see it happening. Talking about what's wrong with Paul. Talking about what's wrong with Paul. Hey, that even happens today. In some churches, you might have a good pastor. You get a guy that comes in who's a dictator. And people in the church will start questioning, I don't know about this stuff. This stuff doesn't make sense what the guy's saying now. And you might say, well, you know, the last pastor who was here, well, the last pastor, he didn't go to the right school. He used the wrong Bible. How many of you ever heard that kind of thing before? Yes. And so this is what's going on here, and what is being eliminated here is—is is I can I call it? It's called the dumbing down of the congregation. It's called the dumbing down of the congregation. Now, what do you mean by that, George? Well, this is what I'm going to be honest with you. I read a publication in this—I don't know—we were, we were on their mailing list. I finally told them to take us off, but uh and it was a guy who is now dead, also. But he said in there, for instance, he said that every one of you, according to this article I was reading, needs to carry a King James Bible. Now, if you use a King James Bible, that's wonderful, because you've always used it. That's great. You're used to using it. But for some people, they can't read the King James Bible, especially young people coming up today. It's written on a 12th grade level. Most people read on an 8th grade level. So he said that you need to use a King James Bible only. And if you don't understand anything in your King James Bible, then you need to wait for your pastor. Okay, you ready for this one? You need to wait for your pastor to explain to you what it is from the pulpit, meaning the sermon. Now, here's the catch. Here's what he said. Now, if your pastor never discusses that passage from the pulpit... Then you don't need to worry about it. What's the problem with that kind of thinking? Yes, it takes you away from being believers' priests. And I'll be honest with you, what it smacks of is medieval Roman Catholicism. Because remember, that's why the whole Reformation started. Is because the Bible was in control of a select few. And so what what's going on there is that we want you to have a Bible that you can't read. So then you're dependent upon who To give you understanding. Yeah, the pastor. See, this is what's going on here. And so these false teachers were attacking Paul's credibility because they wanted the people to listen to them. They wanted the people to listen to them. And so he says, guys, I'm engaged in this boasting because you're listening to these false teachers. You're listening to those false teachers. Listen, just a real quick comment, then we'll move on. I had a lady in Canada, I've shared with some of you before, who said to me, oh, I just can't get through the week without listening to your sermon. Now, she said that like a compliment. I shook my head. Because that's like saying, I just can't get through the week without one piece of pizza. Living on one piece of pizza for the whole week. How many of you could live on one piece? I, I could probably live on it for a while right now. But how many of you could live on one piece of pizza right now for a whole week? I mean, unless you want to go fasting or something. That's what's going on there, is that my what she is saying is, is that what I need for my spiritual well-being, I'm only getting from a 40-minute message, 30 to 40-minute message on Sunday morning. Can you survive spiritually on that? Because here's the thing. Most of you will forget what I said by day's end. You might remember one or two points But how many of you can remember a message I gave two years ago here? Nobody can remember what I said two years ago here. So here's what I'm saying. Be careful. Be careful. This is the whole point of the passage. Paul's telling them, be careful. That's why I'm engaging in this boasting, he says. So then, he appeals for their patience. So notice what he says now. Paul calls them to bear with him since they are patient with false teachers. He says, guys, be patient with me as I lay out my argument for you. Be patient with me as I discuss these issues with you because obviously you're patient with those guys who are, what? False teachers. You're patient with them. Be patient with me. Be patient with me. And why? Because as in, here, in verse 20, he kind of says, here's, the, here's what's going on with you guys. He says, you guys are being exploited. The Corinthians had allowed themselves to be exploited by false teachers. The Corinthians had allowed themselves to be exploited by false teachers. You can almost see it. I've been in enough Baptist churches to see this happen before. I remember a couple guys went to see a pastor and they were going to ask him a question about what was going on in the church and they didn't seem to agree with what was going on in the church and they had reason to question. So they went out to lunch with this pastor and so they point blank asked him, what about this? I don't understand this. Can you explain this to me? Well, rather than explaining it to him, he blew his cork. Who do you think you are to question me? I'm the, what? Pastor. And here's the famous one. How many of you have heard this? Lay not your hand against God's anointed. Yeah, touch not God's anointed. What's the problem with that? That is all a strong arm tactic. You understand? To do what? Beat people back into submission. So that people can then be what? Exploited. Yeah, they're they're forced to be guilty. They're like, oh, I must have done something wrong, you know. See, here's what I want you to understand. First of all, there is a role for a pastor. I'm a pastor. But I think everybody's been around. I've been here now. Do you guys realize I've been here today six years? I started six years ago on a Sunday, April the 1st. Six years ago I started. Now, here's the thing. You've been around me long enough now that you know that I ain't perfect. Right? Everybody know that? You've been around me long enough know that I've got clay feet. If you don't know that, just talk to Lori. <laughs> yeah, she says it doesn't take six years to figure it out. So, do you understand? So I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I have tudes too. Okay. So I'm just like you. I'm a normal human being who sins. But I'm the pastor. If I was to take the concept that is being propagated in a lot of our churches today, I'm, quote, accountable to no man. But the reality is, I am accountable. The Bible makes it very clear that I'm accountable. Like, for instance, can I tell you one thing the Bible stresses over and over and over and over and over throughout the New Testament, one area that you guys need to hold me accountable to. Does anybody have any idea what it is? Ramona said it. Teaching. Over and over and over and over and over in the New Testament, you are given the mandate by the Word of God to test what is being, what? Taught. And if it is not right, you are to then do what? Let them keep teaching? Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, who's a... So, I am accountable, ain't I? Now, you think back for all... You know, my ordination is in the Independent Baptist Church. For years, we have allowed ourselves to be what? Duped. <laughs> you know, do you, see, do you see what I'm saying? See, there is accountability. There is accountability. But these guys, they were exploiting them. They were exploiting their people. Because everything was for who with those guys? Was it, it wasn't for the Corinthians. It was for themselves. What can I get out of this? What can, what can benefit me? You know, and it's their... Ministry, not the ministry of the body, but what? Their ministry, their church, their people, not God's people, not God's church, but theirs. So we need to grasp the reality of it. So then he gives an assessment of his actions. Verse 21, he says, Paul states that he's never been bold enough to exploit them. Paul says he's never been bold enough to exploit them. You can almost understand why Paul wouldn't be bold enough to exploit them. He would be scared to death of Jesus to exploit them because he knew that he would have to answer to them. Hey, you know what? Contrast the false teachers with the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul says, I would never be bold enough to exploit you. And you can almost understand why, because he talked earlier about the terror of the Lord, about standing before God and giving account. But then you've got these guys who exploit, pastors who exploit teachers who exploit the congregation who exploit God's people can I tell you what's missing there? What's the difference between Paul and them? Paul has a what they don't. Well it's not just a relationship but he has what? A healthy what? Fear of God. See because he understands there's more to this life. He's got to stand before Jesus. Would you say that those false teachers had a fear of God? No not enough. Not enough. Or they may have been blinded, but they didn't have a fear of God. They didn't have a fear of God. So then now, Paul talks about his ancestry. So now he's going to boast about who he is as a person, because this is what these guys were boasting about. Because remember, these were Judaizers. These were Jewish Christians who were emphasizing the law. Who were emphasizing the law. So notice with me now, verse 21 and 22. The second half of verse 21. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am also bold. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. So what is he saying here? First of all, he's going to compare himself. Paul states that he will present his credentials... As the false teachers do. He says, okay guys, you're ready? Here's my credentials. You've listened to these guys present their credentials to you? I'm going to present my credentials to you now. I'm going to present to you my credentials that prove my apostleship, that prove my ministry among you. And so, he presents his credentials as false teachers. Now, here's the next thing he does. Just as the false teachers claim to be Jewish, so is Paul. So was Paul. You can almost hear him just saying, you know, we are the children of Abraham. We have been taught the law all of our lives. We are the ones that Jesus said to go and minister to first. Remember, isn't that what Jesus said to go to the Jew first and then to the Greek? And you could see them boasting about that we have a greater grasp of Scripture because we are Jewish Than anyone else. And that happens today. There's a ministry. Some guy went off the deep end. He was involved with one of these major Jewish outreaches here in the United States. He changed his position from a premillennial pre-trib rapture position to now something where Jesus is going to come back. The church is going to get raptured in the middle of the tribulation. And here's how he explained it. I am able to understand this passage because I'm Jewish. Really? You found a new understanding of the Bible 2,000 years later? And everybody else is out the window? And the reason why you understand it is because you're Jewish? See, that's what these false teachers were doing. That's what these false teachers are doing. Paul says, you know what? These guys say they're Jewish. I'm Jewish, too. I'm Jewish too. So, they're, they're sitting there saying, we are Jewish. Well, Paul says, hey, you guys know me. I was with you. I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. So, then, now notice now verses 23 through 33. He's going to now go into his other credentials besides being Jewish and they have to do with his trials. So, notice what he says. Verse 23 through 33. We'll read this as a section. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. For the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep in journeys, often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me, my daily concern for all the churches? Who is weak? And am I not weak? Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things that concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus who is blessed forever knows I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Artatus, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to rescue me. But I was let down in a basket through the window in the wall and escaped from his hands. So Paul says, okay, you want to talk about credentials? Let me give you my credentials. And let me tell you something. When's the last time you heard a pastor tell you these kind of credentials? When you hear a pastor talk about his credentials, he's going to talk about, well, you know, I've been in ministry this long. This is my education. I went to school here. This is how many degrees I have. This is what I've done, this is where I've been. this is how many churches I've pastored, blah blah blah. What does Paul do? Paul says, "Hey, you want to know my credentials? here's my credentials, and then he lays out everything that he has endured in ministry as far as suffering. Wow, so that's what it is. we're going to, we're going to focus here, finish real quickly through here. First of all, he questions their ministry verse twenty three Paul questions the fact that they are ministers of Christ. He says, these guys you're listening to they're ministers of Christ, oh really." Are they really ministers of Christ? Well, let me show you what it means to be a minister of Christ. Let me show you what it means to be someone who really serves Jesus. And so he goes on and he said Paul presents his hardships as a proof of his ministry. He goes on and shows that ministry involves difficulty. Let me just personally tell you that. This is something, you know, when I in my first church... That was a real big struggle for me, because there were always problems, always difficulties, always things going on. And I'll be honest with you, during that time, I wrestled with, man, am I in the right job? I kind of felt like Moses. Remember Moses? When God told him to go to Pharaoh, and instead of, when he went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, well, I'll just double the workload, no straw. And God, and Moses goes back and says, God, did I get something wrong? Sometimes we have this concept, and I know I did when I first entered into the ministry, that everything's supposed to be wonderful in ministry. Everything's supposed to go right. Everything's supposed to be just perfectly timed. No problems. I was reminded of that last night when CJ didn't show up at five o'clock. And he didn't come until 6.35. Yes. I, was, I looked downstairs, I called, I noticed that there were 15 calls from my cell phone to the church phone, trying to see does he call here? Did he call here? Did he call here? You know, and you realize that ministry ain't easy. Paul says, you know what, they want they call themselves ministers? Look, I'm more a minister. Look at what I've endured. And so then he goes on. And then he says this Paul endured many journeys with all the dangers associated with them. Look, when he went from one area to another area, he didn't take business class. He didn't fly first class. He endured what was going on there. He endured the trials. And look look at the kind of trials he endured. Shipwrecked. A day and a night in the deep sea. Hanging on to probably something out there in the ocean. That's what he endured. So then notice something. Verse 27 says, Paul presented the physical trials that he endured as he ministered. So he lists all of these things that he endured as he ministered. Stonings, whippings, being left for dead. Boy, makes me want to join up, doesn't it? That's the stuff he endured. So then notice something. But in the midst of it, verse 28 and 29 tells us that he had anxiety for all the churches. So notice something. Here's what he said. Paul was concerned for the churches on a daily basis. Even in spite of what he was going through, even in spite of all the difficulties, what did he have? He had an overriding concern for the churches that he gave birth to. He had an overriding concern for those believers. An overriding concern. And here's what he was concerned about. Paul was concerned about their spiritual condition. Paul was concerned about their spiritual condition. So then verse 30 through 33, he's going to talk about the issue of his leaving Damascus. And so he's going to point out some things here. So he's going to talk about it. Guys, you want me to boast? Let me boast to you about something that happened in my life. And he will boast in things that reflected his weakness. See, here's what Paul's going to do. How many of you, when you boast, are going to boast about, well... I'm really excited because my back is not the way it used to be and it just gives me fits. No, you're going to boast about wonderful things, aren't you? You're not going to boast about your problems. How many of you, in fact, we don't like to hang around people who quote, boast about their problems, do we? You know, we call them chronic complainers. Paul says, you want me to boast? I'm going to boast, but I'm not going to boast like they boast. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. And here's something to express my weakness. And so then, notice something. He affirms that God knows the truth about his boasting in verse 31. He affirms that God knows the truth about his boasting. And then verse 32 to 33, he talks about the plot to kill him. Paul recounts his escape from the plot to kill him in Damascus. He says, I'm not, hey, look guys, I'm not this big, I'm not some superhero guy here. I had to escape through a basket over a wall so that they wouldn't kill me. I had to escape through a basket over a wall so that they wouldn't kill me. This is where he's at. Next week we're going to talk about, because he's going to get even further into the whole issue of his weakness, we're going to look at the issue of the thorn in his flesh. Now what do I want to say to you before we close this lesson? How do you protect yourself from false teachers? Bruce said it? Read the Word. You need to be a man and woman of the Word of God. Period. That is the only way that you're going to know who's false and who's true. Let's close our time in prayer.